Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel? Again, remember, God is not asking because God doesn't know, okay? Same thing with Adam and Eve in the garden. God wasn't asking them, hey, where are you guys at? Because he couldn't find them. He's like, where are you at? Do you know where you're at and how distant you are from me? Do you notice the separation that has never existed between us? To Cain, where's your brother? Where is Abel? The story of Cain and Abel is a really interesting one in that at first glance, some may think Cain gave a worthy sacrifice to the Lord because he worked hard for what he sacrificed. Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to the Lord because it was a blood sacrifice. As Pastor James continues his teaching series through the Hall of Faith section in Hebrews, he'll be explaining why it was Abel's faith that made this sacrifice pleasing to the Lord. You can never work hard enough to earn salvation or God's favor. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As Pastor James continues his message, Heroes of the Faith, Abel. provides the opportunity to turn even to the ones who just flat out reject him, right? It's like, you can reject me, but you're going to have to, I mean, I'm just going to lay out offers in front of you for the rest of your life to a certain point, at least we know. But God's like, hey, man, here's the truth. You, You can stop and you can make this right or you can choose to go this way. But the reality is, is that it's, it's going to master you. And there came a day where this jealousy that was probably coupled with bitterness, you know, just swirled around inside of his head and his heart, and it turned into anger, and then anger turned into wrath. And then he, he devised a plan to murder his brother. To murder his brother, simply because... His offering was rejected, and his brother's was received. And in verse 8, it says, One day Saint uh, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. And killed him. This would make, technically, this makes Abel the first martyr. He's technically the first martyr. He was killed for his faith. The root cause of Cain's hatred towards Abel was Abel's relationship with God. And that, he, he let that fester inside of him. And he, he walked out the door and sin pounced all over him. And he gave full reign in his life to sin, full surrender to it. Surrender to God or you can surrender to sin. I mean, that's just it. One leads to life and one leads to death. And that's how it works. God confronts Cain yet again. Yet again, not only is he rebellious and doesn't want to worship God, he's now a murderer, and God is going to talk to him even yet again. 
Afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel? Again, remember, God is not asking because God doesn't know, okay? Same thing with Adam and Eve in the garden. God wasn't, God wasn't asking them, hey, where are you guys at? Because he couldn't find them. He's like, where are you at? Do you know where you're at and how distant you are from me? Do you notice the separation that has never existed between us? To Cain, where's your brother? Where is Abel? Cain's response is, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's guardian? How callous. If you, don't, if you can't pick up on the callousness of this dude's heart from this phrase, then you're missing it. And the Lord is, again, it, the word of God, it just exposes it. Because you go back until you're like, well, he offered a gift to the Lord, and God rejected him. Why would God do that? This is this guy's heart from the beginning, from the beginning. He's like, I don't know. That's not my problem. That's what he tells God. Where's your brother? Where's Abel? I don't know. That's not my problem. Well, you just lied to God. You just lied to God. And God tells him, he says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed up your brother's blood. No longer will the, will the uh, ground yield good crops for you. This thing that mattered the most to Cain has now been ruined by sin, okay? They're not going to yield any good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. And we get that this story goes on with Cain and his begging of God, like, that's too much for me to bear and all this good stuff. Flip over back over to Hebrews chapter 11, because now let's talk about Abel. Because we don't have a lot from Abel. There's, there's, no, there's nothing from Abel. Abel presented a good sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God. And then his brother murdered him. That's all we have. We have zero words from Abel. Zero words from him at all. Like none at all. Which is very fascinating because the end of verse 4 is like the heart of this verse. So it was by faith, this is verse 4, chapter 11. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. So when Abel offered up the best that he had, it was an act of faith. It was an act of faith. He's like, man, Lord, I don't, I don't know, I, but this is the best I have. This is my most prized and cherished possession, the fruit of my labor, the best of what I have. I'm not giving you the leftovers, God. I'm giving you the first fruits, so to speak. I'm giving you the best. And in doing so, he is, he's really putting his, his trust in God. To offer up your first, the firstborn of your livestock, that's a step of faith. Because, I mean, that thing could, well, not only could it produce for you, at their time, it wasn't going to produce any money because, again, it's Adam and Eve and, and all their kids. And however many kids they had at this point, I don't know. But there's no like, you know, livestock show and rodeo going on, right? So you can't like, you know, sell this thing for like a million bucks. So, but it's like that thing could reproduce and make more awesome little sheeps, right? Or it could provide this much more wool or this much more whatever. It was an act of faith and it was a full on trusting in God. Man, it, I'm not worried about what happens after this offering because I know you got my back. So I'm going to give you my best. It speaks like volumes to how we should live our lives today. We give God our best. 
This is where pastors will come along and start hitting you in the wallet, right? Like you give. No, you, we give financially because I, I have to give financially because that's where I put most of my hope and trust in, is in my, my bank account, honestly. And it's like, that's why it's like God's like, I don't need your money, but I want all of you. And so sometimes all of me is connected to my bank account. Okay, if I'm honest with you, it's like you see it when it's low and you're like, oh, you start sweating. You start, you know, you start kind of getting a little stressed there a little bit. But beyond that, it's like, now, you know what? Whatever it is for you, it could be finances, it could be health, it could be family, it could be your career, it could be anything. But each and every day we, we, we wake up and we say, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to give you my best today, and whatever that is. And we give him our best because we trust that he holds our future in his hands. And you're in good shape. Abel was able to do that. He's like, this is the best I have. This is, man... And you can, you can kind of catch the sense of it behind the, um, this verse. If, and if you can't, I would invite you to uh, use your creative imagination and put yourself in the story alongside Abel as he's like, he's the shepherd. And these sheep are so precious to him. And this, these two sheep, they get together. Um, they become one. And then they have an offspring and a little bitty, little bitty lamb kind of a deal. And then he... he I mean, that's like, you know how it was for a lot of these guys. That became like a family member to them, so to speak. Very cherished possession. But he's so excited about this because he's like, I mean, you're, you're going to be like, I'm giving you to the Lord, dedicating you to the Lord. I'm going to give the Lord what is most cherished to me. Beautiful little, little story there. He, he brought a more accepting, acceptable gift to God than what Cain did. Abel's, Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. And God showed his approval and showed his approval of his gifts. So there's other portions of scripture. Um, Matthew chapter 23 talks about Abel being, he's a righteous man. And all we know about him is he made one sacrifice. We have no, we have no words recorded from Abel. We only have one act recorded from Abel. And it's in that one act that it speaks volumes of who this guy was. You and I may never have a book written about our lives, and that's okay. That's probably better, honestly. Uh, it's probably better. Um, the, you, when, you, when you pass on from this earth, maybe you, you know, something you say will never be you know, put in a, a meme or a quote or some inspirational quote or end up on a coffee mug at you know, some Christian bookstore or whatever, right? And that's okay. That's all right. Abel never said anything that we have recorded. But he did do one thing. He worshiped God in faith. And that one act of faithful devotion and worship to God was from the very beginning and continued on throughout the very end. And in fact, the rest of this verse from Hebrews, it says, although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. That's powerful. That's amazing. We put so much stock into nonsensical things. We put so much worth into things that just don't matter. Nobody cares or will care how many followers you have on social media. I don't want to burst your bubble. But when you transition from this life to the next, Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. What do they care about? They care about how you live your life. They care about how you modeled your life. And if you're a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, then what people will care most about is how you live that out in your life. Because it's, it's not the words that we say that, that last for lifetime. It, it's our actions that reverberate for, for many generations. Here's a quote. Acts of faith will outlive those who do them. Acts of faith towards God will long last, will long outlive those who perform them. And that's what our life has to be about. It's not about us being known and I'm known for this. And I mean, that's, that's cool. It's gratifying and all that good stuff. But I, I think really I'd like to be like Abel, where Abel just showed up and Abel just worshiped and Abel just lived his life as a sacrifice to God. And it cost him everything. I mean, it cost him the best of what he had but that was not wasted because I was put in God's hands. And that example is, is, makes it into Hebrews chapter 11. And the fact that his brother was consumed by sin and consumed by rage and would go on to murder his brother. Nobody ever been murdered before. Okay, let's, let's frame this out. Let's, you want to understand what the problem is in the world? It's called sin. It's called sin. Because let me tell you what Cain was not doing. He was not playing violent video games. He was not watching violent movies. He did not grow up in the wrong neighborhood. He, was, he didn't grow up in an abusive home. He grew up a sinner. That's his problem. That was his problem. Now, do these other things influence? Of course they do. Of course they do. Bottom line is this. We have issues in our world because we have sin in our world. That's the problem. That's the heart of it. Cain grew up, I mean, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, you can't grow up in a more sheltered home than, than with Adam and Eve, and it's just your family. But that just shows the powerful, how, how exactly powerful and relentless sin is. And it could take somebody who's never even heard of murder before and cause him to, to commit an unspeakable act against his own brother. That's sin. That's sin. But here's his brother who's like murdered solely because of his devotion to God. He ends up in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, it's, it's maybe worthwhile noting who else, who's not in Hebrews chapter 11. And Adam and Eve are not in Hebrews chapter 11. Not at all. Mom and dad, first people ever made. They didn't make it to the, into the hall of faith. But their boy did. Their boy did. And so he worshiped God. He had an offering of faith. Cain had his offering of works, really. If you look at you can look at it that way. It was an offering of works, okay? Cain, that, he kind of represents that thing of religion almost. Like, I'm just going to, I'll give this because this will make God happy, right? And then God's like, I'm not happy with that. He's like, oh, well, that kind of just blew a hole in my plan. Like, um, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean you're not happy with that? Kind of like that Matthew chapter 7 thing we always talk about, where many will say to Jesus, I did I, I offered to you lots of fruits and vegetables. God's like, eh, that wasn't for me. <laughs> so that may have been you know, directed. That was your way of trying to work your way into heaven. And that's not how it works. It's not how it works. Abel would represent more of the one who's like, um, what I know, what I know I need, 
his blood. It, it, it takes a blood sacrifice. That's why he offered a lamb. It's a blood sacrifice. Hebrews, uh, earlier on, I believe it's in chapter 9, uh, even that song that, that we just sang, um, his blood, it speaks a better word. That's, that's connected to the book of Hebrews. And praise God, we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus paid the ultimate price. But what did it take? It took blood. It took blood. Abel knew that. He knew that. And that's what he offered to God. And he was accepted. And again, it was his heart towards God and his faith in God that made all the difference. And Cain did not have faith in God. He did not want to worship God. He's just trying to do whatever he could to like maybe be good enough to get in. You read the rest of Cain's story, and you really see the trajectory that he was headed. I mean, just flat out rebellion, complete. God let him loose. God, Romans chapter 1, I mean, that was, that was applied to Cain's life. Um, you can read Re- Re- uh, Romans chapter 1 and then read that alongside of Cain's life. God gave him up to, what, to the desires that he had, and he pursued those desires. He wanted nothing to do with God. But yet there was Abel who was like, there's nothing better than God. There's nothing better than him. What's last little thing? We have no recording either, and not saying that this didn't happen, but scripturally, there's no recording either of God having a conversation with Abel. But God does go out of his way to make sure that what's, re- what's included in Genesis chapter 4 is his conversation with Cain, with his conversation with the rebel. And his, again, just highlighting God's goodness and his graciousness and his long suffering, that we like to depict him as this mean, vengeful, hateful God, right? Just, just it's appalling how, how mean he is. And I'm going to read you a couple of quotes that speak about this, what's being taught in some churches nowadays. But what we miss when we do, you know, when we go through this is we miss a, um, a very loving God who even with ones who, quote unquote, would spit in his face. I use that term loosely. I mean, Cain's heart wasn't ever behind that, uh, his worship. Um, and again, he wanted nothing to do with him. But even with dealing with a rebel like that, God was very gracious and compassionate towards him. There's a, a couple of quotes that I pulled um, from one of my study resources. And this is from Alan Jones. Uh, he wrote a book called Reimagining Christianity. This is fascinating. The church's fixation on the death of Jesus as the universal saving act must end. And the place of the cross must be reimagined in Christian faith. Why? Because of the cult of suffering and the vindictive God behind it. The other thread of just criticism addresses the suggestion implicit in the cross that Jesus sacrificed was to appease an angry God. Penal substitution was the name of this vile doctrine. And uh, so this is from an emergent church leader, okay? This is what was being communicated um, in, in part of these. Uh, emergent church is still a thing. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but um, very liberal in their beliefs. Okay? I don't even know how they call themselves Christians, honestly. But um, that was uh, supported by some other major leaders within that group. But what they're saying is uh, this whole fixation on the death of Jesus and the cross, we have to get away from that as a church. And I'm like, oh, no, I need to keep going to that as a Christian, right? No, why would we do that? Because that makes God out to be an angry, child-abusive type person. 
that he would kill Jesus on the cross. And I'm like, you don't know the Bible, do you? Not that well. There's another one. Steve Chalk, The Lost Message of Jesus. Was there a lost one? I wasn't aware of that. Um, I thought it was all here. Whatever. Simple minds. I don't know. Um, The fact is that the cross is not a form of cause... fact is that the cross is not a form of cosmic child abuse, a vengeful father punishing his son for an offense he has not even committed. Understandably, both people inside and outside of the church have found this twisted version of events morally dubious and a huge barrier to the faith. So essentially, he's saying God is a child abuser in one sense, if you consider that he would slaughter his own son on a cross, right? That's what he's saying. Deeper than that, however, is that such a concept stands in total contradiction to the statement that God is love. Um, If the cross is a personal act of violence perpetrated by God toward humankind, but born by his son, then it makes a mockery of Jesus' own teaching to love your enemies and refuse to repay evil with evil. Wow. Um, I'm, yeah. I mean, I have a certain amount of intelligence. I do. And it's limited compared to some of these people. But um, wow, that's pretty stupid. Um, that's just, that's ignorance in a whole nother level. Uh, what he's saying there is like, God was contradicting himself by saying he is love. Well, I would a loving God murder his son. And again, it's that thing of like, you don't understand the Bible, do you? It says Jesus said, greater love has no one than that he lays down his life for his friends. This isn't a quote from that guy. This is a quote from good guys, okay? Just so clarifying. Because now you're like, wait, what? Um, no, this sounds right. Um, it's like Reno Jehovah's Witness track. Um, no, it's, no this, is, this is the good guys, okay? It says, these people see Jesus' death on our behalf as a vile doctrine, cosmic child abuse, or an abomination. However, what we see and, and we see Abel's, his, his death and the blood that he spilled. I mean, again, it's a, somewhat of a type of, of Christ and the blood that he would spill, how Abel's, you know, would continue to speak on. But Christ, his blood that he spilled is, speaks a better word, speaks a better word. And that is love demonstrated, right? Because Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. It wasn't because God's this vengeful, angry, mad guy. Genesis chapter 4 tells you quite the opposite in how he deals with Cain, where he comes alongside this rebellious guy who wants nothing to do with him and says, hey, buddy, look, you can, you can make this right. You can make this right. That's not a vengeful, angry God. That's a loving, caring, compassionate God. And to say that, to say some of those other things, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, came to this earth to die. It was part of his plan. It's part of his plan. And it's cool that we have Abel. We have, it's cool that we have recorded in here his act of faith. And it just always reminds me of like, man, yeah, his act of faith still speaks to this day. That should encourage you and I to yeah, make decisions of faith in that sense. Like, go for it and let those things, you know, the ripples of that extend well beyond your life here on this planet. But just do it for God. Do it for him. Do it because you love him. That's why Abel did that. That's why he sacrificed, because he loved God. And his name got written down in Hebrews chapter 11. And he was a righteous man. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the dead.
Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We have story after story of the people who followed God through every hardship and trial, but the ultimate hero of our faith is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus knew every temptation, every trial, and every suffering. He chose to lay down his life for our sake. There's nothing that you can face in this world that Jesus can't understand, nothing that he didn't face himself. And that right there is the greatest hope that we have in this life. You're not alone. You belong to Jesus, and he understands every tear. And one day you'll rise again and be with him forever in paradise. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is teaching through a series called Heroes of the Faith. Each person we study reveals more and more of the Father's glory, his patience, his faithfulness, and his goodness. If you missed one or more of these messages, I encourage you to go back and listen to them again. You can find them at breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. And be sure to come back next time as Pastor James continues right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.